the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow is underway. The weekend is here. We're glad you're with us at Outkick.com slash watch. No Chad Withrow today. He is having a, a well-deserved day off. we got a, a great show planned to get you to Championship Sunday, the AFC and NFC, with David Melter, who is a, a sports executive, a entrepreneur, a author, investor, and more. He'll be in studio with us coming up in about an hour. Plus, former All-Pro NFL wide receiver Derek Mason, former Titans wide receiver and Ravens wide receiver, in studio with us as well coming up. But we welcome in Kelly Stewart. Kelly in Vegas, nice enough to join us for the full hour to make sure we, we're properly prepared for the upcoming matchups. Kelly, good to see you. Hope you're a Friday's doing, doing great. Hey, I have no complaints. It's a beautiful, sunny day here in Florida. Much warmer uh, than I'm sure where most of our audience is listening from. So I have to rub that one in. Yeah. Um, are you like me? I wish we had a game Saturday and a game on Sunday. AFC, NFC, and just swap them each year. So it's tough. Uh, as a big college basketball fan, and as you can tell by the uh, court behind me, yep. I've already started to migrate into uh, deep college basketball season, right? We're already in conference play. So as a college basketball fan, I say no, because tomorrow there is 100 basketball games, and I cannot wait to watch at least 13 of them. But... From the football side of me, yes, it would make way more sense for one to be Saturday night and one to be Sunday night. We'll be complaining as much next year with the 12-team playoff because that's going to expand later. But we get Ravens-Chiefs kicking off things on Sunday, 3 o'clock Eastern on CBS, followed by 49ers hosting the Lions, 6.30 Eastern on Fox. But my attention all week has been on Ravens-Chiefs, Kelly. Uh, Lamar Jackson has the stage to take over. He's the front runner for the NFL MVP award, which will be his second. The last go around, he was the unanimous MVP. And then he lost in the divisional round. Titans were there and ripped that out. And then last week, we saw him, well, he didn't disappoint. He finished the game and, and finished well, strong. Four total touchdowns against the Texans. Two through the air, two on the ground, dominated in the second half. Right now, I don't think anyone's playing better in the league than Lamar Jackson. And as a result, the Ravens, they look like the true juggernaut headed into the AFC Championship matchup against the juggernaut of the past and maybe the present, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, who, well, they win as the favorite and they win as the underdog, which Kelly will tell us about. Now Lamar Jackson needs to be the top dog. He's tried to do it. He's already got the MVP. Has not won in the playoffs. That was the narrative coming in. Then he tried to lead the charge of getting more during the contract negotiation. He represented himself. He was laughed at for doing so. He stayed quiet for the most part. Silent, really. And then he took to Twitter to try to get the fully guaranteed contract like Deshaun Watson received in Cleveland. And those covering the story, by and large, or discussing the story, scoffed at this. Uh, When the other quarterbacks, I felt like, Guys like Burrow, Hertz, Herbert, they should have joined the party with Lamar Jackson. Deshaun Watson is going to be paid $230 million total. Jackson's guaranteed money is $135 million on this deal he signs. It's a ton. It's not what the precedent was set by with Watson here. He's not the $230 million guy. He's playing like it, though. And after fighting that battle last offseason, which he lost to a billionaire, he's now the top 
millionaire quarterback that I'm watching. He's backing it up, and he stayed healthy. And I thought the, the offensive coordinator switch to Todd Munkin has opened up his passing ability. He's been able and uh, he's been mobile throughout. Uh, his elite skill set on the ground has not wavered. And now Baltimore has a chance to go to the Super Bowl for the first time under Jackson. And if they do, well, assumed they'll be the favorite against either NFC opponent. We've seen them match up against the San Francisco 49ers earlier this year. The challenge for Jackson and the Ravens, though, you got to beat the best. And they've done that during the regular season. They beat playoff teams. But here are the Chiefs, seemingly beatable, and they're presenting the tallest obstacle for the quarterback that top to bottom has the best team remaining. And the Ravens need to go prove it. And that starts with Lamar Jackson, Kelly, treating the postseason the way he does the regular season. This is his moment. I think he is primed to seize this moment. Do you agree? I am a huge Lamar Jackson fan and not just because I'm holding a 20 to one ticket. I'm talking about over the last few years. And in fact, he won me just a little bit of money at Louisville. If you could imagine that there we go. now here's my thing with Lamar. You say that he's quiet, right? And he's silent and he doesn't chirp much. And I think that shows kind of how humble maybe he really is. And, you know, he used to have a saying that was no one cares work harder. And I kind of adopted that. And now it's to be the champion, you have to beat the champions. You basically echoed that. To be the best, you have to beat the best. And over the last five, six seasons, who have been the best? Pretty much the Kansas City Chiefs. And there's not a close second. Uh, and we'll get into the Chiefs a little bit more here later. But I think Lamar this year, 24 touchdowns, only seven interceptions. You mentioned the health factor. Uh, prior to the show, I re-watched my re Ravens preview video. And now for content purposes, it was quick. It was under 90 seconds. But I said at the very beginning of the video with an asterisk, if he can stay healthy, this team has a really good shot to win the Super Bowl. And, I, and I'm sticking with that here, Hut. I, I really think this team is the most well-rounded. I think that he is liked in the locker room, which is very important in the quarterback position. There's a lot of things that are checking uh, off boxes here for the Ravens to kind of shock the world, even though they're favorites in this one. Yeah, I don't think that like the defense too, Kelly. Like, the, what they've done, leading the league in the categories they've led in points, average points allowed, combined with uh, the, the turnover margin uh, and what they've done with uh, the, the quarterback rating and all that. I mean, that's, it's things that we haven't seen a defense do all in the same season. I don't think we view the Ravens the same way. I think the, the, the Cowboys defense, the 49ers defense, even the Chiefs defense this year has been talked about. That, to me, is the difference in why I'm so high on Baltimore and why top to bottom, one through 53 on their roster, I think they're the best in the NFL. I would have to agree with you, Hut. I think the big thing that we do talk about usually is offense, right? Because it's exciting. Yeah. It's electric. But something that I have always appreciated is a really good defense. There's a reason why there's that annoying old adage, defense wins championships. Come on. I mean, it is said for a reason. And as it stands today, number one scoring defense in the NFL, well, it's the Ravens. You actually know who number two is? The Chiefs. I was shocked by that. I think number three is the Bills, but the Niners didn't hit the top five. At one point in time in the season, they were, though. And so I know we'll get into the NFC later, but the Ravens defense deserves a ton of credit. And I also will say 
Zay Flowers, rookie year. I've been impressed with him. Mark Andrews going out was a massive hit for this team. Isaiah likely filled right in in that position. So we know both are going to be available for this game. I think these types of, we'll call it setbacks, because it it really wasn't that detrimental um, looking back on it. But in the moment, losing Mark Andrews, you know, as somebody who's best friends with a Ravens fan, it was it was right. a, a dire moment for them. And Dobbins went out. They they lost their second yeah. best running back too, and they just pick up. I mean, the system has worked, and and Jackson's led the charge. Uh, much like Mahomes, they pick up when it, when it matters most in the moment. And I, what I I think I told you, I bet the Bills last week um, against the Chiefs. Uh, I hesitate now to bet against Mahomes and the Chiefs. Am I crazy? Where, where do you come down on Kansas City this season, given the fact? that here they are a game away from the Super Bowl yet again. It's tough. Um, You know, (laughs) as somebody who also bet the Bills, but I had the Chiefs in a teaser on Sunday night, and I had to watch the game with my dad, who was subsequently cheering for the Chiefs, hearing, well, this is why you don't bet against the Chiefs, is a really frustrating (laughs) thing when you're holding uh, a ticket hoping for a middle. That being said, no, I'm not afraid uh, to bet against the Kansas City Chiefs. For the last couple of years, we know that they've their line has been inflated. We know that uh, last year, in particular, even though they won the Super Bowl, those first nine games, they were absolutely fadeable. And that's because they have become such the public darling, rightfully so. When you have basically the second coming of Tom Brady, which I think that's what Patrick Mahomes is going to be at some point, we know he's going to have more Super Bowl rings, more AFC championship games, but I don't think it's this year. I think what we've learned from the Chiefs is that sometimes when you pay big name quarterbacks, you can't always plug and play those skill positions. Travis Kelsey had two touchdowns last week. He hadn't scored a touchdown in seven games, uh, there was three or four receivers uh, that caught passes that have had uh, fumbleitis or drop passes so many times this year. I mean, when Kadarius Tony was announced out, Chiefs fans took a sigh of relief. <laughs> like, what? A, they're wide receiver too. Come on. Uh, so I do think that there's something interesting there, but I do really believe this Chiefs team is not complete. I do not think that they are Super Bowl caliber. And hey. I could be dead wrong come on Sunday, but uh, we all know where my allegiances lie in this one. Their draft picks on defense have really come through. You know, they they uh, Chris Jones in the middle. This is his final season there probably with the way they restructured things in the, in the preseason. But, I mean, he's making big plays uh, in the middle of that defensive line. And they just seem to find the play. And really what they want and what they've done this season is they want the ball in Mahomes' hands, everyone would, in the last few minutes of the game. And they close it out. By and large, Kelsey, you're right to end the season wasn't great, but I mean, in, in, in the clutch, those two come up with whatever play they need and are, are they missing that next guy? Yes. But that next guy by and large throughout the season has been someone to step up in the, you know, in the clutch, but not consistently, right? Rasheed Rice comes to mind or Pacheco who's turned into a star as a, a late round pick in KC they haven't had the best top-tier draft picks pan out in, in, in total, but they have hit on some guys in the mid to late rounds that allow them to just continue to churn, even though there's, they have no business doing what they're doing, considering they, what they've lost. I mean, they, they, they trade away Tyreek Hill, they win a Super Bowl. 
And then they have to get rid of receivers this past offseason. You're right, because of the salary cap problems. Um, and they still are able to go up and down the field when they need to. But still, that 21 or 23 points per game average in the regular season, that's not KC. And that's why I hesitate to, to back them. But in the postseason, what are they averaging? 26 or 27 points per game. I don't know if they can do that, though, against Baltimore. Here, here's my problem. Uh, we spoke about how great this scoring defense is, but they're giving up over 100 rushing yards on the ground. Yeah, That is, you know, just average in the NFL. I don't think that they're going to be able to stop Lamar Jackson. I mean, we'll get into some prop bets yeah. later I can't on. Wait but to hear Lamar, these. he is he is such a unique quarterback. And I and I think in in the aspect of Patrick Mahomes, and we can now start to put him in the same sentence as Tom Brady. I think the reason why we don't talk about Lamar like that is because he is so mobile and he is so dynamic. He is a different type of player. Now, you're absolutely right. Patrick Mahomes. Let's say they're down a field goal with two minutes left. I am going to be losing my mind. I, I, I would have had, had the Bills made that field goal. There was too much time left for Patrick yeah, Mahomes. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not saying that the defense wouldn't have stepped up, but we had not seen the Bills defense step up throughout the entirety of the game, basically outside of the fourth quarter. And so that would have been a concern. And that is always a concern here. Uh, if let's say the Ravens are up 10 and you want to lay three and a half with them. And there's a garbage time touchdown with Mahomes because there's 45 seconds. Those things are always in play with Kansas city. So I do think that your unease is, uh, is, is probably warranted because we've seen it too many times to not feel that way. I'm too hesitant here. I'm too hesitant. Mahomes, by the way, you're right with the Brady comparison. If they get, will go on to win in Vegas in 58, uh, and end up going back to back. I mean, he even admitted uh, Thursday that this season has, has been the most challenging of his career. I, I mean, he's got, I mean, the stats would show that. He had 1,000 fewer passing yards, 12 fewer touchdown passes this season compared to last. More uh, interceptions. More interceptions, yeah. I mean, he lost but the Chiefs, not he. The Chiefs lost six games, and they had that eight-week stretch midway through the season that well, they lost five of them. And then he had those sideline blow-ups, you know, visible. Um, and, and not just with teammates, but also with officials. So, I mean, he, his, his comment was... And, and, opposing, and opposing teams. And uh, opposing lest teams. we forget uh, his attitude towards Josh Allen. Yeah. He sure shifted on uh, Sunday. And those are not things that we traditionally see from Patrick Mahomes, right? But you know what? Uh, that is very Tom Brady-like. Uh, I'm not saying that You're Tom right. was not didn't have good sportsmanship. But my favorite thing, uh, getting to go to the Bucs games, when after they won the Super Bowl, and then, of course, they lost some key players in order to keep Tom another year, was that... Just prime time, Tom Brady, past his 8 p.m. bedtime, throwing the Microsoft Surface, like me holding an opposing team ticket in the stadium. Like I thrived in those moments because I wasn't cheering for Tom's downfall. I was just simply proving that maybe he was being a little overvalued, not only for his age, More but human. for the team around him, right? And, and, and yes, yes, that's a great attribute to describe Patrick Mahomes. This is the first year we've seen him become more human, right? We've seen crazy throws over the years. I mean, even when he was at Texas Tech as a K-State fan, watching him make some, and you're like, what is this kid doing? And it would work out in his favor in some crazy, you know, former fashion, but that's not what happened this year. Um, and and that's a, it's it's a travesty, but sometimes that's that perseverance. You're right. If they go on to win the Super Bowl this year, 
This it's going to be crazy. It's, it'll be a, 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 yeah, a, a crazy comparison for Mahomes there because he'll have his he'll have his third Super Bowl in his fourth appearance, uh, hypothetically here. And um, he's already admitted like this season has taught me like I'm not the the stat quarterback as much as I've had to be the quarterback that has to win in different ways. Um, the, he's trying to be the best quarterback for that particular game and that particular team on that day. That that's I mean. In a way, he's always done that, but it's always been about kind of the same narrative. You know, the big arm, side sidearm throws, uh, great catches by the receivers, bombs downfield. It's just a different version, and I think that's what catches us up, especially me off guard, because the defense is normally coming together for them right now, and instead the defense has been the glue for them as the offense is starting to churn and Kelsey's back in the mix. Do you trust Kelsey going into this game or no? Which would no, which, I think he's okay. I think he's retiring. So you, I'll be on his. We can talk about it um, in yeah, the you, back you section. Think he's retiring. Okay. I, I think he's retiring, and I think he is really enjoying his life right now. And and kudos to him for that. Right? He's doing the podcast with his brother. He seems to. He always kind of seemed. Um, I got to think of a, a correct word, but a salesman, uh, douche, douchebag yeah. comes to mind. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Sure. He always seemed like one of those broy guys that I probably would have been friends with in college. So like, I think, I think there are two versions of that there. You're, you're either a meathead or you're a okay. bro. So like Gronk is a meathead. Yes. Kelsey's a bro. Correct. I don't think you like both versions. You, I think people would normally gravitate to one or the other. Yes. Uh, I'm a big Gronk fan. Mike Love Vrabel is a bro. Mike Vrabel's a bro. I really? think, yes, he's a bro, not a meathead. No. Absolutely. 100% he is. Bro, right. not meathead. Uh, Dan Campbell, meathead. Yeah, love me some Dan Campbell. Uh, we can find other examples here, but I think that those would be the, the, the two that come to mind uh, for the, the tight end comparison. Uh, George Kittle, bro, not meathead. Yeah. No, but see, the thing is, is that George, I think, is more humble. And yes. I think that that's what I've started to realize is I like the athletes that don't need to tell everybody how great they are. And they also don't cry about on the sidelines. Self-deprecating, you're saying. There's like a balance, right? Where you just won a Super Bowl, you know, when uh, Kelsey grabbed the mic after winning this, that didn't bother me. At the Super Bowl parade, smashing beers in his face, that yeah. didn't bother me. It's the, the things that are in between that bother me, um, I guess, about him. And now I've started watching his podcast with his brother. I'm a big Jason Kelsey fan. And I've really started to warm up to Travis and on, seeing his growth about that, right? Like, I think we're all allowed to grow. We're all allowed to evolve and change as humans. And, and I think that's maybe age, maybe Taylor Swift, maybe uh, having a off season, if you will, maybe, maybe, maybe the season's an anomaly. Maybe it's not, but I think he's kind of, I think he's kind of got an end goal at this point in time. And I think he is going to retire. So uh, the, the other, the, where I do compare the Gronk uh, again with him, I think this, this feels like a Gronkowski retirement where yeah. he's going to be gone, but I think he plays again. I think he suits and, back and up he and very plays well again. could. Much you know, like Brady and Mahomes, Mahomes, he'll come back and play for Mahomes. Quite possibly, but Patrick's not leaving Kansas City. There's no, no way they're they're not going to let that happen. No, but I'm saying if 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 Brady were still in New England whenever Gronk came out of retirement, for instance, I think uh, th that he would have done that only with Tom Brady. Yes, so to go play for the Buccaneers made sense because it was Tom. Yeah, and it was a warm climate. And go it get was a like, ring. Hey, why not? Yeah, yeah go get another get a ring. Super Bowl ring and get a bonus. Get that you know six yeah. yard completion or whatever it was. 
get get some more cash there. Uh, speaking of cash, uh, Kayshawn Booty, uh, man, he, he gambled a lot of cash. Uh, so he's facing sports betting charges where, uh, as a minor, uh, allegedly, even betting on uh, LSU games as a member of the team, he has, what, 89,000 bets is this current report. 89,000 bets, over $600,000. Two fake accounts, both using his real name. Insane. Yeah, yes. Uh, placed bets on LSU and himself. Uh, he was booked in Baton Rouge on a felony count of computer fraud and a misdemeanor count of gaming prohibited by persons under 21. Um, some of this occurred in 2022. This is right before, of course, he was drafted. He went to the Patriots. Um, this is, uh, so I see, I see this and I think, man, so fake account, but using your real name, that's, I just think, idiot. But then I also think this is going on everywhere. Um, I think this is just across the board happening a lot. And maybe I shouldn't automatically go there, but I want to just think idiot while I'm thinking, well, at 19 if, or 18, so if I was able to do this, um, I probably would have. I'm just being honest. Like if, I would, if they had this available, Kelly, when I was in college... I would be betting on my favorite team, which was the college I attended. I, I just I wouldn't want my favorite players betting on themselves, but I think it's going on. I do. Of course, it's going on, Hutton. And here I may be in the minority here. So I retweeted. I I saw the article yesterday. Thursdays are a busy day for me, so I got text the article. I saw it. And I'm like eighty nine hundred eighty nine hundred bets, and then it created a whole uh, storm of tweets of everybody going, "Yeah, right. You've been." gambling full-time since 2013. Of course, you've made that many bets. And then I had to break down the math and explain to them I actually probably haven't. So not only is 8,900 bets a ton, uh, half a million dollars is a significant amount of money. Now, granted, I'm sure he was uh, getting a little bit of it from somewhere else. But at that time, nil was not, NIL was still not as, as prevalent as it is now. Yeah, but it was happening. And I mean, it, it, especially it in the SEC. And that's fine. And it was. Um, not being 21, you're a bonehead. You're three times as big of a bonehead for using your real name. So I, I'm going to tell you a yeah. story. But, but not being that, 21, I mean, that's practically anybody on campus, though. Right. So here, here's my thing. When I was 19 years old, I won a trip to Vegas. None of my friends were old enough, and none of them had a fake ID but me. So I took my older sister, and I walked right into the sports book, and I made a futures bet on Kansas State to win the national championship. Uh, maybe I was 20. Either way, I was not old did enough that? to be in Las Vegas. No, we did not. Okay. Cash. Shocker. Uh, that being said, yes, it happens all the time. But I don't care that he bet on his own team. Now, if he had bet against his own team, I think there's a pretty substantial argument. But right after he bet on himself and his team, and he basically was shut out, no touchdowns. I think he only had like 26 yards in that game against FSU, he nuked his entire Instagram and basically fell off the face of the earth. And everyone thought he was trying to quit. Yeah. So, so but hear me out here. Where, so the 600,000, is that, a, is that a, they're adding in also what he's won, right? Where he's turning okay, so over what he's is, won. This is how it works. If you're betting, let's just say for easy math purposes, a thousand dollars a game. Okay. And you win, right? Right. You, 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 let's say you have a, you start, it sounds like he 
deposited over $100,000 to begin with in total amount of deposits. There was half a million in play. So that means he won, he won, he lost. He maybe hit a couple big parlays, lost it back one, and then he cashed out for 50,000. So we know he didn't win, but there were points in time where he had half a million dollars in that account, which means that he was winning. And or he, someone was winning. Well, he was winning, I, I, but the total I'm amount not, that they're going to reference can be from the winnings that he just bets it back from the account, right? That he rolls back over. Yes. So he's still betting the initial deposit. Yes. Okay. And that's his, that's his, what we would like to call in the industry a bankroll, right? Sure. So I have, you know, a certain amount of money in my account. It fluctuates depending on how much you win and lose. But my initial deposit amount is how I would base the math. So, right, he had a, a, a net 50, uh, wait, a negative 50% return essentially because he cashed out 50 grand out of the 100 and whatever he deposited. Yeah. See, th this is where, <laughs> I mean, we hear about it in college football and the NFL. Does Major League Baseball just think, I mean, the general public, think about it from Pete Rose's perspective here. Major League Baseball, I haven't heard one report about anyone touching a, a betting app in Major League Baseball. Doesn't happen, apparently. They, Doesn't happen, they, apparently. Are they smart enough to not get caught? That's no, they're my smart question. enough not to even look for it. Because if they look for it, what's the penalty? Are they banned for life? Because if they're not, Pete Rose is going to be reinstated. Wow. You are uh, absolutely that, probably correct. The view you're on, right. When you go looking for something, you're right, going to find it. You're going to find it. And the, the NFL, uh, it's almost like the, the superstar quarterbacks just don't even touch the apps. Never have, even when it was so confusing for uh, Calvin Ridley. No one, no one was touching the apps unless it was a, you know, a, a tier two receiver or below or mm. a, a guy that's just struggling to make the practice squad who's immediately kicked off the roster in, in Indianapolis. Yeah. So here, here's, it's the same thing. Look at Iowa State. Iowa State had a, a bunch of rumors swirling and little slap on the wrist, self-imposed, and it seemed to subsequently go away. But as somebody who's been in uh, with the NFL team, and I, I have a couple friends who are married to NFL players or former NFL players now, um, there was always the talk of drug testing and who got tested. And, yeah. and one, of my, one of my friends, her husband played the same position as a Another linebacker that was pretty well known for coming to Vegas and having a good time and uh, things of that nature. And she was, and he got kicked off the team for it and uh, ended up having to play in Canada. And it really was detrimental to their family. And she's like, I want to know why my husband was tested and X player just was random. not. And it's just random. That's what they say. But you, know. you know better. You know of better. So I you're do. absolutely right. They're not going to go look on Patrick Mahomes' phone to see if, He's betting or not, and I would hope, I would hope that he is smart enough or guys like that are smart enough to just have a friend do it for him or have their wife do it for them. There's nothing in the uh, handbook that says that you, your, your wife is not allowed to bet, is there? No, there's not. As long as you're not on the account, then it's a felony for, for computer fraud. The computer fraud thing is very interesting, uh, and I don't really understand the state of Louisiana going after him, after so much time for this. Oh, it's like the kicker. Um, one of the kickers in Iowa uh, was using his yep. mother's account. Yep. And that was the felony charge. I can tell you this right now. I know this for 100% certainty. I have been kicked off an app in Vegas for sharing an IP address with somebody else who was not allowed to bet at that sports book. Wow. And that was the rationale I got. And I said, 
but he's not using my account. And they said, we don't care. You guys live together. So there are, there are some strenuous, I mean, that was years and years ago now, like six, seven years ago, but it is, it's a thing. And uh, these operators are kind of allowed to do whatever they want. They can ban whoever they want. They can book whoever they want and they can change limits based on who you are and who you're not. I guarantee whichever uh, operator he was using in Louisiana knew exactly who it was. And at the time, they didn't care. I mean, he literally signed up with Kayshawn Booty 01. That was the most mind-boggling part of that whole thing to me. It could have been name of a fantasy football team, uh, which I don't know what to believe anymore. Who's, who's cheating, who's not? The National Fantasy Football Championship cheating scandal. You were involved in a heavily uh, – you got heavy money or were – uh, I think Clay's in this league and others. This contest had a first prize of $150,000. This may have been your league. I don't know. Uh, it no, it was not. It attracted, uh, you've got 100, uh, uh, 1,500 entries here. And this is through ESPN. The football championship here disclosed that an employee used an internal control to make changes to someone's roster after games had kicked off, and including swapping a player who had already scored a touchdown which is apparently Aaron Jones. Uh, Aaron Jones, when he came back from injury for the Packers, led the league in rushing from the time he came back to when they were eliminated. Uh, both people here involved, they potentially broke one or more state laws here, federal laws too. And, well, 150 grand's at stake. And he's able to, to access this. I, I want to, you know, I want to appeal my fantasy league this year because I'm just learning about that this is possible. Uh, I think it's probably possible if you have insight, right? I've heard of, okay, as a gambler, I'm going to say this. I think there are a lot of very dishonest people in my industry. Okay. And that will do anything to better themselves and would uh, probably, you know, hurt their best friend over 50 bucks, right? I've heard insane stories like this or would do it for the win the win sense of the win right 50 bucks is a win anything is a win uh when you have degenerate tendencies right you've got to have some issues now obviously this person knew somebody on the back end that was able to do this i've heard of this within uh gaming apps that somebody's able to go in and, and do things on the back end uh, this that one was more of an offshore. The thing with the United States is it's really heavily regulated. And that's as somebody who's not as, as opposed to regulation, usually in my life, I like that we kind of hold these sports books as well as these betters. If you're doing it to, by the book, you should everyone should want that, right? Correct. Right. And the people that don't are the people that are generally not. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the state of Nevada is one of the that I lived for 15 years. They're one of the more heavily regulated states. There are other states that are a lot looser. New Jersey's not one of them. New Jersey won't let you bet on uh, Rutgers games. You can't bet on Princeton and basketball, things of that nature, because they don't want what we saw happen in LSU to happen. This is from a fantasy perspective. I mean, I think it was DraftKings maybe four or five years ago. Wasn't there like some big scandal where a guy and his girlfriend were putting in, basically using a a computer robot to put in 100,000 different lineups, which I know tons of people that do, and they got called out for it and they didn't get their million dollar prize. And it's like, well, everybody's doing this. What's the problem? It's like the, the, 
the couple that figured out the lottery loophole or whatever up north somewhere. And then yeah. they had to close the loophole. They closed the door to that, but they didn't do anything illegal. They just found the loophole. I, I don't know. And, I, and I'm not smart enough be, to figure this out. And a lot of gamblers are. That's the thing. A lot. I know a lot of gamblers that are lawyers. I know the guys that went to MIT or Harvard or other very prominent schools that are brilliant math minds. If they're going to find a loophole so they don't have to go get a real job, they're going to do it. Yeah, you're not talking to one of those. <laughs> and you're not talking to one of those either, Hutton. That's why I'm hanging out with you. The doctor, Chad Withrow, uh, will be back on Monday. Uh, uh, Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas with us. Time for dumpster fire of the week. Uh, speaking of uh, a very rich person that's an idiot, dumpster fire for me this week. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, the former uh, CEO and uh, founder of WWE. Now he's uh, more or less by title one of the CEOs, but that goes to Nick Khan and now with Endeavor. And now the TKO uh, enterprise that they're a part of since being purchased. So as a former WWE staffer who filed a lawsuit this past week, which alleges that the chairman, McMahon, uh, sexually abused her, sex trafficked her with others within the company, that McMahon pressured her into situations and, and degraded her uh, for uh, in exchange for giving her a job at WWE as one of the coordinators in the legal department. And then she signed an NDA for $3 million. She alleges that the payment stopped after a million was paid to her. There were stipulations that she alleges that within this negotiation for talent that he was trying to resign, she was added in as one of the uh, gifts, so to speak. And then it mentions a lot of a handful of people within the within the the business within the corporation uh and links them to her and hotel rooms it's sick uh mcmahon says he's going to vigorously defend himself well he's doing that a lot lately um 1992 there was a rape allegation there was a settlement with that there was a tanning salon situation in 2006 no charges brought there Wall Street Journal reported that Vince paid over $12 million to four different women over a course of more than a decade. Um, that's still working itself out. He stepped down, though, as WWE CEO and then uh, announced his retirement. Um, it's, yeah, it's a dumpster fire. He's a horny bastard, that Vince McMahon. And hopefully, if people have things behind the scenes with this, they step forward and step up, just like we're seeing here with a string of incidents that has led to a perception of a guy who I thought he was one thing, and instead it sounds like he's the other. It's strange, it's sick, and hopefully uh, the truth comes out sooner rather than later. Dumpster fire. Yeah, Hutton, uh, that is really just crazy to see these kind of things, but unfortunately after a while it becomes a pattern. Yeah, and all these NDAs and stuff, I mean, it's just... Yeah, it's people. I mean, it's just again. It's the details of it are just, oh, it's awful. Who's up next? Dumpster fire. Kelly, what you got? I'm going Bill Belichick. How does this man not have there. a job? I, I am just. It is Friday, January 26th, and almost every single coaching vacancy outside of the Washington Commanders and the Seattle Seahawks is filled. 
Bill Belichick has interviewed for the Atlanta Falcons. My buddy is a beat writer for them. And he called me last week and said, hey, guess what? They're going to hire Belichick. I said, okay, that makes no sense whatsoever, but let's go with it. And then they announced they hired a former defensive coordinator from K-State, Raheem Morris. Yeah, he's had a few jobs since then. Uh, but that's where I remember him from. Regardless, I cannot understand this. They're, the clock is ticking. And I don't know why they wouldn't want to give one of the best head coaches in the NFL a job. Bill Belichick, 71. Maybe he's going to retire. Maybe he's going to take a year off and they're going to find a landing spot for him in 2025. Maybe he doesn't want the commanders or Seahawks job. I don't know. But I do find this to be an absolute and utter dumpster fire that one of the greatest coaches of all time does not have a job this late in the, to the playoffs. This is a great way to tie in dumpster fire because I, the thing that surprises me the most are that it seems like the organizations feel like if they bring him in, they will be a dumpster fire whenever he leaves based on the structure. A lot of them have general managers in place or a president in place for the power struggle. And I think that's what happened in Atlanta, Kelly. It's, I'm with you though. It is strange that both he and Mike Vrabel currently are sitting without a job. I set the line at Mike Vrabel five days. When the Titans fired him, I'm like, this guy's going to have a job like that. Yep. I also thought the same for Belichick, which we had heard in October uh, that he was getting um, a contract extension. And I thought, well, that's strange. Everything I'm hearing out of New England is that this is his last year there, that, that he and Kraft have decided that they're going to part ways. So, And then they, you know, sprung a, sprung a nice little upset. I, you know, was, was surprised by that over the, the Buffalo bills. And I thought, okay, maybe everything I'm hearing is wrong and he's going to keep his job. It's very odd. It is. Guys, I'm going to stay in the coaching search ranks for my dumpster fire. And you got to go all the way up to Ann Arbor. And I'm looking at Michigan. I know they're just coming off the national championship, but I think they're being incredibly short-sighted with how they're going about the transition from Jim Harbaugh to whoever's going to be the next coach. All indications are Sharon Moore is going to be appointed as the next head coach. Now, in Michigan, you have to wait seven days after an opening occurs uh, before you can officially announce that hire. But if I'm Michigan, I look at it like this. Sharon Moore has zero experience as a head coach. He was able to be an interim for essentially three games, and now we're turning over the keys to a Ferrari to essentially a 14-year-old with no experience. That typically doesn't go well. And if you're Michigan, I know you're bringing in four more teams to the Big Ten. The schedule's going to change up a little bit. But if you're looking at your overall roster, I understand the hesitation for not wanting to have what happened to Alabama happen to you. But they're 14th overall in team composite ratings or rankings. And I just don't see a situation where if you're Michigan, you think, all right, well, I can take the hit now, but... Long-term, this is the good plan for me. I would simply look back and say, and maybe they are doing this behind the scenes and we're just not seeing this, but go after Brian Kelly. Go after Lance Leipold. Some people that we know are proven winners and can come to a program. You're Michigan. You just won the national championship. You think you could go out and get a proven head coach, but it doesn't even look like they're trying to kick the tires on that. And for me, that's why they're my dumpster fire of the week. Davey, Davey, Davey. We're not going to let Lance Leipold tried to, to sway the University of Kansas out of more money applying for a job that he was not asked to even apply for. Uh, this has happened three times now, so let's not put his name in the conversation. Uh, all jokes aside, I agree with you. I threw the biggest fit when uh, K-State was looking for a new offensive coordinator, and I said, please do not hire from within. 
You've got to get some new blood sometimes. You've got to get somebody with some experience sometimes. And just promoting the next man up does not always work. Sometimes you can retain players, which is huge, as we know in the NIL. But you're right. If Moore wants to prove that he could be the head coach of Michigan, go to a smaller school for two, three years, win your game of, uh, you know, game of five conference. And then guess what? We're going to talk about you coming back and possibly having a shot to be the head coach of Michigan. You do not get just get gifted these jobs. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Freeman comes to mind. He got yeah. gifted the uh, job at Notre Dame. And uh, you can ask Notre Dame fans. I don't know. Well, on that same note, Kelly, I mean, the best case scenario is Ryan Day. And Ohio State fans aren't exactly thrilled with that either. They're having to spend <laughs> millions and millions and millions of dollars just to go up against a, a Jim Harbaugh-less Michigan team in hopes they can beat them. They are spending a lot of money. Uh, Ohio State looks like they're going to win a national championship next year, which is never good for them. Uh, whatever, uh, you know whatever what else is good? The front runners, Losing to Sharon Moore coached uh, on this past uh, this past matchup against Michigan. That's not good. Very good. Point. Also, um, Sharon Moore is going to get this gig because this is this program is like the best private club you could ever be a member of. Uh, you keep your mouth shut. No one speaks up, speaks speaks bad of Jim Harbaugh. In any of this, not even Connor Stallions. Connor Stallions did it. He's not here anymore. Not former coach, not former player, not current player. No one validates any allegation. Not a not a peep. And this guy won't either. And I it's mean, like the mob. He's a Michigan man. He's a Michigan man. Whatever that means. It means he's getting the job. Coming up, uh, one big thing on the two championship games. We'll get Kelly's take on how we well. We win again. Last week, not good for me. We win again. Championship weekend. We'll break down the two championship matchups matchup straight ahead right here on Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on here on this Friday edition no Withrow today. He's a well-deserved day off. He'll be back with us recapping the AFC and NFC Championship games. Uh, Outkick.com slash watch is where you can go to check all of the uh, live shows here at Outkick. Head over to the site, Outkick.com. You uh, scroll up, hit that watch tab, and all live content plus anything on demand. Hit the watch more. Find the fade there with Clay Travis and Kelly Stewart, who joins me now. Kelly in Vegas. Kelly, it's time to get back to our winning ways this weekend, please. Can we make it happen? Yeah, you you mentioned before the break that your weekend did not go did very not. well. Neither did mine. A uh, couple of things just, you know, sometimes are out of your control. Debo Samuel going out uh, for the Niners, the rain and the weird glove with Brock Purdy yeah. didn't help things. Uh, I was cheering so hard for them to lose that game because I... Did not want them to win and not cover. We mentioned uh, the Bills blunders, uh, but the Ravens got it done. And uh, I did not take your Texans bet. So that was my well lone winner on yeah. Saturday. Well, well done. Uh, each week, I give Chad one big thing for every NFL game. Here it is for this week as we head into a winning weekend for the AFC and NFC. Uh, for the second straight year, home teams, eight and two, in the first two rounds of the playoffs, Kelly. And the number one teams, they, well, the seeds they held serve, if it's deja vu all over again, that's good news for Baltimore and San Francisco, top-ranked teams here. 
Of course, last year, Philadelphia, Kansas City advanced to Super Bowl 57. Now that Detroit uh, is headed to the NFC Championship game, only Washington has been out of the title game longer than the Dallas Cowboys. Washington, they made it there in 91, Dallas 1995. And look at the four quarterbacks left standing. None of them have thrown an interception in the playoffs. None of the eight quarterbacks who won the past two weeks did, by the way. Um, that could end up playing a factor going into this upcoming weekend, of course. You've got Chiefs and Ravens. We've focused on this quite a bit. But, Kelly, the first playoff meeting here between Mahomes and Jackson. Regular season, Mahomes is 3-1 is and one head-to-head, which is the most wins of any starting quarterback against Lamar Jackson. Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. Of course, he was Jim Harbaugh's defensive coordinator at Michigan. He then bolted to Baltimore, and now he's been the play caller for the league's top defense. He's interviewed for several job openings, has not landed one. A win Sunday would be the ultimate resume boost for sure. On his defense, Roquan Smith, who Ray Lewis called one of the league's last hunters. The best Ravens defenders have all won championships. Can Smith be the next one? He's been great in coverage. His challenge on Sunday is to keep tabs on Mahomes, but also he's got a tall order of covering Casey's top playmakers, Kelsey and then Isaiah Pacheco. Kelsey, dominant against Baltimore in his four games. He's averaging seven catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Had two touchdowns against Buffalo a week ago, entered the postseason on a downturn, which Kelly is not buying into actually turning around as more of the wave of solid play. She's betting on more of what we've seen to end the regular season. Baltimore's defensive talent to cover him, though, they can do that in multiple ways. The Chiefs need a big play. They're going to Kelsey. And when the Ravens need a big play, I think they're going to have Kyle Hamilton matched up against him. Mahomes, 8-2 in the playoffs when trailing by seven or more points. His only two losses are to Tom Brady. And he or Brady have been involved in the last 13 AFC Championship games. Kansas City's offense had eight plays of 22 yards or more. Their defense held Buffalo to none. Kelly, help me here. How are we playing this matchup? Baltimore hosting Kansas City. So essentially, Hutton, I have a, a Ravens Moneyline ticket in pocket, right? Yes, because I yes. need them to go to the Super Bowl, and then I can decide how I'd like to hedge it. I do believe they will end up in the Super Bowl, and we'll get to their opponent here shortly. Interesting caveat, since you had your one big thing. Uh, go ahead. Number one seeds, last 10 or excuse me, last 20 number one seeds in the playoff, 12 and eight against the spread. Nothing to write home about. But not only are they winning, but they're also covering okay. at an okay clip. But the Ravens back in the AFC title game for the first time since when? Oh yeah, 2012. That was when uh, they won the Super Bowl. You mentioned uh, Lamar Jackson. Obviously they got the first round by 100 yards last week. Uh, four touchdowns, excuse me, 100 rushing yards last week. Uh, I do agree. It is an uneasy feeling to bet against the Chiefs, right? And we saw them uh, benefit outside of that uh, goal line fumble last week against a Buffalo Bills defense that might have been a little overhyped, but this Baltimore defense is not overhyped. And what did we see from them last week? That's right. They stifled CJ Stroud, who's probably going to be rookie of the year. And uh, wow, that team outside of that punt return never made it to the end zone. They weren't even in the red zone. That's how locked down. Didn't have the ball. They barely had the ball. Yeah. 
And that's what I think we're going to see here from the Ravens. They're going to control the time of possession. Lamar is going to be able to run against this Kansas City defense because okay. that is their, their lone issue. And if they are able to shut down Mahomes on the ground, are we going to be able to see, or excuse me, uh, Jackson on the ground, are we going to be able to see him air it out? A lot of talk about whether or not Jackson's got a great arm. I think he does. Yeah, I, do I think too. that's exactly what we're going to see here. So I've got uh, Lamar Jackson over pass completions. I've got Lamar Jackson over rushing yards. Okay. Now, this is a really interesting one because I know a lot of very sharp people that like the under in this one. I think it's going to be very close to the number. Uh, I made the game 28-21. Ravens get the outright win and cover. Do you do you even take a glance at some of the tight end props uh, with this matchup with, with Kelsey? And then, so of course, the reason... Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. So the reason why I don't want to touch any of the Ravens tight end props is because I mentioned earlier how likely just filled right in that slot for Andrews. And I think that him being back in the lineup, you know, somebody said something to me earlier, uh, and that is the Ravens should do what the Patriots did with Gronk and Hernandez. And I said, oh my gosh, I wonder if it's too late to uh, drop a couple two tight end sets. We're going to find out. But I am taking Travis Kelsey. Let me double check my number under 62 and a half receiving yards. I think last week was kind of an anomaly from what we've seen most of the season. I think he's going to get double teamed a lot. They're going to force Patrick Mahomes to throw to a couple guys he might not trust fully. And I definitely know they're going to try to run it on the ground. You mentioned uh, Rashi Rice, who's who's a very dynamic player and has really stepped up in the second half of the season. We know that not only can he rush for a ton of yards, but he's going to have some good receptions. I do think Baltimore's defense is going to be able to lock down the running game as well. They're going to force Patrick into making a mistake. And you mentioned the INT prop. I immediately wrote that down. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna throw a little bit on uh, Patrick Mahomes' interception as well. Let's win. Let's win. Let's make it two for two. Lions on the road against San Francisco. It's been 66 years since the Lions won a playoff game on the road. And that came against San Francisco. A 31-27 victory. That advanced the Lions to the 1957 League Championship game. It's the last time Detroit appeared in an NFL title game. Brock Purdy did not play well last week until it mattered. The final drive, six of seven passing. The drive that the 49ers, well, length of the field, and it led them to their fourth conference championship game in five years. It's time for Jared Goff to exercise some of the demons. He's three and five against San Francisco, but he's lost his last four. Four touchdowns, four interceptions in his last four games against San Fran. Saturday's win for San Francisco last weekend. Kyle Shanahan, it was the first time in 31 games he's won when trailing by five or more points in the fourth quarter. Debo Samuel, limited in practice yesterday after missing practice on Wednesday. That's huge. Thursday's a big install day for them. The Niners offense, they're averaging a ton of points with or without, and they averaged last season 32 points per game last season in the three games that Brock Purdy played, or excuse me, missed whenever Debo Samuel was not playing. They averaged 37 points per game whenever Purdy was playing and Debo Samuel was also playing. Uh, yeah, here's the comparisons of the quarterbacks. What do you make of this matchup, Kelly? And tell me who's winning. How are you playing it? Gosh, the Lions are such a great story, right? Like, I, I do a lot of business with guys out of Detroit. I want it to be the Lions so bad for them. 
for the long-suffering fan base. I mean, I think it was you or maybe it was Chad that said they wanted it to be Lions-Browns. Uh, yeah, I would love that. The, just for the two uh, fan bases. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I mentioned how great the Ravens looked last week. So I'm going to throw this little asterisk up. A team is never as good as they looked the previous week, and they're never as bad as they looked. I was very disappointed in this Niners team. But again, it was raining. No Debo Samuel running a different offense. It took Brock Purdy four quarters to figure it out. It was one of those games where, hey, there's the guy I remember from Iowa State that comes, comes popping in my head. I do think that they are going to have a more efficient offense against this defense. The Lions, L.A., and Tampa Bay, both over 400 total yards. Not only on okay. the ground, in the air, it was bad. They got thrashed. It was a very close game against the Rams until down the stretch. Lions didn't get the cover. It was 17-17 against the Bucks. Late touchdown uh, for the Lions. Bucks score did not get the two-point conversion, which they technically didn't need, but had they gotten it, well, Bucks backers would have cashed their plus six and a half tickets. Now, I will say this. Amal Ross St. Brown, you were talking about fantasy earlier. He was electric for me all season He's long. He's awesome. Look, look for, he is awesome. Look for him to have another great game. Jameer Gibbs, look for him to have a great game as well. Jared Goff, we know that he is going to try to find Brown whenever he can. So if you like a receiver in this game, I know it seems square, but that's where I'd be looking. He's had over 100 receiving yards in four of his last six games. But I do think ultimately the Niners defense is going to prevail here. Brock Purdy is going to be what we saw in the fourth quarter for a better part of this game. It's very, very chalky for me this weekend as it was last weekend outside of the Bucks. Uh, I, I would have to lay it or not play it. I texted you earlier and I said, hey, listen, I would love to recommend teasing the Niners. Problem is, there's no one to tease them with Hutton uh, because there's only two games. Why shouldn't you tease totals? So there's, there's a thing that we talk about when it comes to teasers, right? Not only the price that you're laying, I would never recommend laying more than minus 120 on a teaser, which is very hard to find in America these days. And we'll leave it at that. A lot of books charge uh, minus 130, minus 140. So I would never recommend betting those teasers. But the reason why I always say don't bet it, don't tease college basketball, NBA, any co college football, there's too much parity in the final score. We know that key numbers in the NFL are worth more than anything. And those number one and number two key numbers, three and seven. Four is starting to become more of a key number now that uh, the PAT got moved back. Yes. And we're starting to see other numbers starting to come into play. Six is also a very nice key number. So when you're laying minus 120 on a teaser, you're going through three, four, six, and seven, there's some actual value there. Unfortunately, there are key numbers and totals, but the variance does not equate to the juice that you have to lay. So it does not make sense to tease anything other than NFL sides. And, and I can put out a chart about it. I can scream till I'm blue in the face and no one is going to listen to me. Half the audience is still going to tease the Niners with probably the over and that's what's going to end up happening and when it loses we're going to hear about it on x we will uh you won't because you always win you always win yeah uh, that you listen to kelly in vegas kelly stewart and you get smarter and you get wealthier
Uh, and you get to hear phrases like bankroll and tease, which is awesome. Uh, Kelly, that's one big thing on every NFL game. Uh, good luck this weekend. You don't Thank need you. it. I we do. need it. Hey, thanks. No, for, we we both ahead. need it. Hey, thanks for uh, sitting in, and um, we'll see you soon. We're headed out to Vegas soon. Yes, I will see you for super. Actually, I'll see you next Friday because we got to talk oh, about it, and yes. then I will see you in Vegas. Uh, I got to figure out when we're having drinks because dry January is almost over, and I need a margarita. <laughs> well, uh, it's that's easily done. You know, uh, we'll, we'll follow Clay. That's easily done. And we'll ch- I'll also be listening to watching on the fade. The fade with uh, Clay and Kelly. Weekly, outkick.com. You saw it earlier. Go to outkick.com, hit watch, and you get all that. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks, guys. Coming up uh, in hour number two, David Meltzer's about to join us in studio. Uh, legendary sports executive and uh, author, uh, speaker, and much more. Friendship and uh, relationship with Jim Harbaugh. We'll start there and uh, we'll tell his story. Plus, uh, Derek Mason, former NFL All-Pro wide receiver, joins us here at 6th and Peabody. Stay tuned. More coming right here on Hot Mike.